bro. Asian Avengers. So weak. The Asian <laughs> Avengers. So weak. So, so fuckable, bro. You know? Whoa. Whoa. There's five Asian guys together. Wow. Together. Did you ever um, go through a stealing phase? Do I think everyone should have a gun? Maybe. Or you can look me up. I don't care. I'll fight you. I don't care. You want to get high as fuck? You, you like opium? And welcome back to another episode of Asian Not Asian Podcast, a podcast where two Asian guys not from Asia talk about American issues no Americans care about. I'm your host, Fumi Abe. And I'm Mike Nguyen. Today is November 21st. It's a Saturday. It's a little warmer today in New York. We hope you're doing well. Before we start the show, uh, if you are uh, listening to this on your uh, phones right now, please take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram stories and tag us at Asian Not Asian Pod. Let your friends know about this pod. Um, we also, uh, if you're iTunes listeners, please, please leave a review and uh, check out our Patreon for bonus content. And it's uh, Christmas is coming up. We have merch. Guys, we got Asian Not Asian hoodies. It is real soft. It's it's real small and tight because we know a lot of our, our listeners are Asian. And, you know, we know a lot of Asian people used to shop at Uniqlo. But there's a whole Reddit thread about how Uniqlo abandoned the Asian population and now are catering to white people. And the, their jeans are bigger and we cannot shop there. I promise you, we are not doing that. Our shit's, our shit's real tight because we know who our demographic is. Okay, so why don't you go to uh, AsianNotAsianPod.com slash merch. Get yourself a hoodie. Give us that money. Um... Yeah, and that's dude. that's it that's that's it for announcements man that's it for announcements i like it i like it man we um we had a, a good show yesterday on hack city hack city is our live uh zoom comedy show it used to be a real stand-up comedy show um but you know right now it's on zoom and uh yesterday um we got zoom bomb dude dude for the first time that was ever. the first I, time we've ever been zoom bomb i didn't even know people were still zoom bombing that's something i heard back in like march and april and i heard it was happening to like corporate meetings and stuff and we've we've done these sh- we this show used to be weekly we've done so many zoom shows we've done a lot of these shows. i didn't i actually didn't believe it was real or you know also ours is like password protected and shit like that so i, I didn't really believe it but like uh yeah this dude I, came in yeah go ahead yeah go ahead I feel I I I realized it was happening, and I was like you. I was like, oh, I didn't know this was still a thing. Yeah. Because I don't know how many times can you like jerk off on camera? I guess like a lot. I don't know that one dude on the Atlantic <laughs> just got kicked out of his shit for that because that was pretty but, crazy. But but he wasn't yeah. he wasn't zoom bombing right. He like didn't know the camera was on. I think that's different. Uh, no no yeah. What an amateur move, right? This guy was a pro, <laughs> so this guy did it for real. He didn't even mean I, to do it. What an idiot. You know what I was thinking too is that it's so funny to me because Zoom bombers always always white people. I don't I don't know if that's true, but I, I it feels like a white people thing. I don't know if that's true, but like, and it's funny because it's like okay, you're supposed to do all these things which are like crazy, so it's it's funny to me that Zoom bombing is always it's two things. It's always jerking off. It's or whatever like showing your butthole, and racism. It's always those yeah. two things. We got a little bit of both just, last night. It just makes me think that like <laughs> if you're this kind of person, you're just like, okay, think of the craziest thing you could do. And this this guy is just like, oh, yes, ching, ching, chong, chong. You know, like he, that's like yeah, his yeah, like, yeah, favorite yeah, yeah, move, yeah. you know? Like if yeah, I, this, if, if, yeah, if, 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 well, what's the craziest thing I could do? I guess I would like eat a whole cake. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like what is the move? <laughs> that, that, I don't know why that sounds worse, but the Zoom bombing <laughs> was crazy because he came alone. Like he, I thought it was going to be teenagers. This was a straight up like 40 year old bald white dude. He was full on naked. He was jerking off standing up. He was far away from the camera. He wasn't sitting down. He was far away so you could see his whole body. Then he started shitting on your comedy career. Uh, oh I, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> Which I keep, where? Fair. Fair. Yes. And, and he pronounced your name correctly. He said Michael Nguyen. So shout out to him. <laughs> 
He he. I I. When I heard that, I was like, you know what? Go ahead and be naked. Go ahead and jerk off. You know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? That name. Yeah, it was a soft G. He didn't say the G in my last name. Because <laughs> he's yeah, a woke. He's a woke Zoom bomber. He's a woke bomber. Okay? And also, yeah. I I love that. Uh, I know we're getting older because I think you said this after like after he showed his asshole. I think you were like. <laughs> He has a polyp up there or something like that. You know, we got, <laughs> oh, yeah, we got, somebody we got like concern for his health. You know, <laughs> you listen, listen. Okay. This is, has been uh, a special ad brought to you by the ad council. Please, mm-hmm. please go and get yourself checked out for yes. if you know, early if screening 40s, is what's going to yes. protect you. All right. Okay. Yes. Because that's what's important. That's what this zoom, this is what the zoom comedy show is all about. Okay. Yes. This is, it's about checking <laughs> your butthole for stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It was cool. Um, I don't know how to transition from uh, zoom comedy uh, bo- uh, zoom bomber butthole to our, well, our guest. Actually, <laughs> before we get to our guest, this is oh. the, 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 the whole point. The reason why the zoom oh, bombing yes. was such a big deal real quickly we need our guests to know, and I want to ask our guests about this too because I feel it's a very relatable topic. The reason why the Zoom thing was a big deal is because Mike had this whole bit plan where he was going to pretend that he was rich because yes. his high school valedictorian came to the show, and okay, she's now a good. law professor and making six which, figures. <laughs> which, no, hold on here. By the way, which was just like the ultimate stunt because it was one thing if you're a law person, but you're a law, pro- you're both things, you know? Yeah. Law professor. <laughs> I teach other lawyers, okay? I smack down on other lawyers all day long. And so this is, so her, her name, she's very nice. Her name's Elizabeth and she was a valedictorian in my high school and she was, uh, um, uh, she's a white girl. Okay, and we had mad Asians, and you know that if a white girl is valedictorian and a high school full of Asian people, she was legitimately smart. So I'm so glad that she was there. <laughs> no, I was no, no dummy, no funny, no nepotism. This was real. She read those. This books. was real. This was, was real. real. It was she. She. She crushed it. You know, respect. Uh, very nice. She was very nice. Um, and uh, she. She. She like she uh, found me on Instagram, and like she's like, hey, I'm coming to your show. She lives in New York City as well, um, on the Upper East Side, because she's doing well. And so she's like she messaged me and i was like okay cool come to the show blah blah, blah. and i was doing this, going to do this whole bit where uh you know i have money and i put on my on my tuxedo and it was gonna be hilarious and then the zoom bombing thing happened and i have to say that like <laughs> this this could be an episode i feel this could have been a tv episode because it was like you know the tv episode where the the you know the, the guy the the, the character the main character has to kind of like re- take restock of what his life is going on what is going on in his life because he yeah. You know, someone from his past comes in. It's like, hey, man. Hey, looks like you're doing great, buddy. You know? And he's yeah, just like, yeah. oh, oh, no. what? You know, I'm just looking in the mirror. And I'm just like, what is going on with my life? And, you know, she's 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 doing... She's got a family and everything. And, and she's a law <laughs> professor. Yeah, this all happened in front of her family. I mean, this was... Right in front of her family. This is a big mess. I mean, your plan right just <laughs> really derailed. It went right. I, I did... <laughs> I yeah, you were even... trying to. I, I can't believe you were trying to impress her. And the first thing that happened is a naked white dude showed up with yeah. his dick out, dude. Which, which, by the way, I mean, you know, no comedy is as good as as a as a as a white dude's dick. I, we can all admit, okay, it was, it, it was so good. It was very funny. So was very um, funny. I was gonna do, yeah, I was gonna do this whole thing, and and it kind of like made me think, like, you know, um, uh, our lives are so different, you know, because I we started in the same place, literally, we were in the same, all the same AP classes, and over time, like, we, you know, I've become. I guess a creative person. I, I hate saying that. And then she's. Oh, you're worse. A you're professor. a podcaster. That's way worse. Dude. Oh my god. I'm not so even not a creative person. I'm a content maker. Oh, that's the worst. Thing. <laughs> I make content. It's terrible. And she's like a law professor. So it's like kind of made me think about that. And 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 you know, I, I it's cool. It's fine. Here I am. 
This is <laughs> what it's about. This has turned into a therapy session. Um, it really has. Yes. Well, let's let's get into it with our guest. I want to ask him about this too because he's also. Hey, I don't think we can call him a content creator. That's mad disrespectful. But uh, disrespectful. Hey, you know, I- I'm sure that there was a time when maybe he was trying to impress his high school sweetheart, and then. You know, nobody showed up to his film screening. I don't know. Maybe it happened. I don't know. Maybe. We got to get into it. We got to get into it. So who's our, what, what's our guest about today, Mike? Our guest today is a writer, director, producer. He's written for such shows as Gotham, Once Upon a Time uh, on ABC, and Little America. He's currently showrunner for Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai. I hope I said that right. On HBO Max. He's also a founder of uh, the uh, comic book publishing uh, company, TKO Studios. Also, hey... Married to a white lady. That's pretty shout nice. Shout out. Um, shout out. Shout out to straight basic Asian man energy. Give it up right now. Uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> give it up right now for our guest, Zay Z. Z Chun. <laughs> God damn it. We had a whole meeting about this. We had a whole meeting about the pronunciation of his name. <laughs> oh, it's the best intro I could have hoped for. <laughs> How you doing, Thank buddy? you so much, man. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. No, good to be here. You heard Mike's story. You know, he were was you, trying to impress were, this girl from high school. You you weren't were you weren't valedictorian in your high school, were no, you? No, I, I obviously was. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? No, yeah, I was valedictorian in my high school. <laughs> Are, you, Are, you val- Are you serious? Are you being serious? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! What the fuck? <laughs> I was about to say valedictorians don't really become filmmakers or something like that. But I, well, I, I was. That was the weird thing about our high school. I went to this place, Milton Academy, and. The weird thing there is that it's not that you're, the valedictorian isn't the person who got the best grades. They vote oh. for him, so um, or her. Whoa! So, so I was actually just the most popular. <laughs> Whoa! How, how many? Okay, how many flexes are you gonna do on us in the one first minute of us introducing you? Okay. Yeah. Popular, successful. Okay, great, great. What else? Wait, you how? When did you? What was it like the '90s when you were in high school? Yeah, '98 is when I graduated. This is this is interesting because you know I, I watched some of your short film films, uh, particularly the one about um, fuck, what's it called about the about the break-in? The, mm-hmm. the uh, window breaker. Bro- yeah. Window breaker, which is about uh, a Chinese American family trying to. Um, up the security in the, their home because there's been a lot of break-ins and there's also a, a Vietnamese basketball team outside who the Chinese mom is very suspicious of. And there's also this white... Anyways, <laughs> it's a whole thing. And, uh, it, you know, watching stuff like that, you know, I, I just got the impression that like, oh, you're kind, you're kind of living in the middle of nowhere. Like maybe there's not a lot of minorities, just a Vietnamese gang. Like, you know, in that context, I, I find it kind of surprising that... Uh, that they would vote like an Asian guy to be like the most popular. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, it was a pretty diverse school. They definitely, I mean, when I started there, I started there in kindergarten because my mom was mm. like, like whatever version she looked in a, a, a newspaper and was like, these are good schools. So oh, you know, yeah. I started in kindergarten there and I was, I think I was the only Asian kid, but towards the end they were trying to diversify. It was a pretty diverse school eventually. Mm, um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh yeah, it was fun. it was I was surprised too. I mean, it was it was fun to be valedictorian, um, and then you know not to not to continue to dunk on you guys, but then a couple of years ago I was the uh, graduation speaker as well. Oh come on! Oh, you know Wait, what? what do you mean so, couple, it, cu- couple years later, like, like in college? No, it no, was they, like, it was they, they invite you back, right? Yeah. Oh, they invited you back to be the yeah. keynote. Oh my god, it's it's so funny. I uh, yeah, I will, I I now will sometimes get um, a little letter from. Berkeley saying stuff you know I'm like oh maybe they want me to like say or do something no they just want because I once donated like twenty dollars and I think they want another twenty dollars yeah, and that's you entirely never, you gotta never donate. I've made a huge mistake it's so <laughs> stupid in high school you know you said you were like the popular kid like what was 
I feel like in high school, you could be popular for a, def- a, a couple of different reasons. One is just like you're funny. One is you're good Bro. at sports. <laughs> funny? No, dude. Yes. No, no, no. No, no, no. Really? Yes. No, no, no. Yes, for sure. You could be a very like high school funny, not funny like like us. We're not funny. Real, yeah. Like high school funny. You high could be a funny. funny high school kid. You could be um, the like an athlete. You mm, could yes. be, um, you know, just, you know, I think sometimes you could just be a smart kid and people respect you for whatever reason. What, what was your thing? Were, were you, I read somewhere that you were like into film even then. I, I was super into film. I spent a lot of time in the AV club. So that was what okay. was surprising to me. It was like, mm. you know, the the two people who were, there was a, a, a guy valedictorian and a lady Victor, a valedictorian. And they, both of us were like giant nerds. You know, hmm. um, so it was a pretty interesting. I mean, I was just surprised because I thought it was going to be, you know, you had to like do practice speeches and stuff like that. Um, oh, shit. And I don't know. I just kind of I, 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 I don't really know how it came about. But, you know, I did I did feel pretty lucky to go to a school where, you know, there were certainly like, you know, the artsy kids and then the, the jocks. But, you know, it, being a nerd was kind of valued, you know, and I think it's, I think they were kind of ahead of their time. Cause like now, like, you know, listen, I, I grew up like, you know, read Well, my wife, my wife and I went to high school together. Right. Mm. And well, that's nice. She describes me, we weren't friends in high school. So she describes me as her memory of me as an artsy kid crying into my ponytail while I painted. <laughs> <laughs> so that ponytail, was love it. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm feeling like I'm. 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 Fi- I'm picturing Mulan's boyfriend, but in the <laughs> AV room. Yeah. Okay. I respect I mean, it's that. Not, it's not. Uh, it's not inaccurate. That's that's a pretty. That's pretty accurate. So you were kind of like emo a little bit, like kind of gothy. A kind of emo. I mean, like the most emo. <laughs> you know, bringing my own, bringing my own mixtapes. You know, into oh, the shit. Wow. studio, so I could like make pottery. Like it was. Oh it was, my uh, god. <laughs> there were no limits. Dude, but, well, maybe I'm starting to think maybe this was an ironic va- valedictorian, you know what I'm saying? Where they <laughs> just like, <laughs> you know what, let's what if we what if we yeah. actually got the biggest loser to be valedictorian? <laughs> Dude, god, but that's see. that's what happened to me with uh Homecoming. They voted me oh, and my sister funny. to be funny. So, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm always looking out for my Asian brothers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, careful, were buddy. you really popular or were they they think it's funny, you know? I mean, when yeah. I was up there giving the speech, I was just wor- I was looking all around for a bucket of pig's blood that was going like, to tip over on me. <laughs> You know? <laughs> wow! Um, real dark. I, I heard the story when you um, you, you were a, one day you were a, a kid in high school and you were staying late editing in the AV room or, and listening <laughs> yeah. to the Smiths or whatever you were. And then it was like three in the morning and a security guard found you and you know had to like take you home or whatever. Um, so many questions, you know, about that. <laughs> I guess where, for, what were you? What were you working on? That was yeah. Like, wh- <laughs> what are you doing? So I always liked to work on stuff on my own outside of class. And so I had made a feature film in high school. Um, I had like rented a camera and stuff and gotten all my friends to act in it. And I was just up late editing. And, uh, you know, this, there's a lot of like great stories about my mom and like how supportive she was. But like this was one of them where so security guard comes in. I'm like editing. I'm definitely not supposed to be there. Right. And he's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing here, kid? I was like, I, I'm editing. I was just, he was like, you got to call your parents and they got to come pick you up. 
<laughs> so I call my mom, you know, it's on a landline or whatever. She's like, I call like two, three times. Finally, she picks up. She's been asleep for like seven hours. You know, she goes to sleep at like 8, 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I got, I, I got, I, you have to come pick me up. And she was like, okay. And she came and she picked me up. And we, and wow. we went home. And she was just like, there was no like admonishment or anything. She was just like, you're working on something you like doing. So it was like, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a few stories like that where I was just looking back. I'm like really just very happy that she was like, yeah, just do whatever you want to do. I think the one thing we've learned through doing this podcast is um, every time we talk to like a very successful Asian creative person, they have like amazing parents who are like there for them creatively <laughs> know, and support. Yeah. And then if they weren't, they're like us. They're like really like, well, I'm not very talented, but we have a lot of comedian friends who are like so talented, but because of the way they grew up, they like don't believe in themselves and they're just forever <laughs> going to be floating around. But uh, um, that, that's crazy, I, man. I know for a little bit you wanted to work in comic books. Well, first of all, what, did, what comic books were you into? Because we're about the same age. So what comics were you a fan of? I was into a lot of X-Men stuff, um, yep, okay. like Chris Claremont and uh, mm -hmm, yep. John Byrne's run. Um, then I started getting a lot into Frank Miller. Um, so Frank Miller okay. was like my jam. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, I met Frank Miller. I, I, he was really cool. I, I brought, um, I, had a, I had my little like comic, stupid like comic book art portfolio. He was like <laughs> signing yeah. comics at the, million, <laughs> at the Million Year Picnic in Boston and, uh, or in Cambridge. And I like showed him all of my stuff and he like signed my comic books. He was really cool. And then as I was walking away, I was like 13 and he just kind of like took my mom aside and he was like, he's way too young to be reading any of these comics. They're like, our movies. <laughs> so he like completely narked on me, but I still love him. Um, that's that's I, interesting. Yeah. You like comic, you never, did you never, you never got into like manga or like anime? Was that even around when you're younger? No, man, I'm so old. <laughs> it was <laughs> well. Manga's was, been uh, around for forever. No, I, know, I, I just it was hard just to get that stuff. It, I feel you know. We, I mean, yeah. they had like mm. I read I read Lone Wolf and Cub, but it wasn't like it wasn't like there Lone was a Wolf and it, dude. Know? That that's fucking old school, bro. That's like before Dragon Ball Z. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 old enough where I remember in college, like my friends were like fan subtitling anime. Yeah, dude. You know? <laughs> Bro, you guys, you guys are old, dude. This dude, is an old I mean, Asian I, podcast. I think you, uh, you're, you're about my age, and so back in the day, you couldn't read Dragon Ball Z. You could read Dragon Ball Z because they translated it from Japanese into Chinese first. They Chinese tra translated Chinese. So all my Chinese friends were really into Dragon Ball Z, and then they would hand it to me, and I'm like, it might as well be in Japanese. It's just like, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying it's like, oh, here's uh, here's read this. It's also in Greek. I'm like, fantastic. This has nothing to do with me. Like, you know, so it just took so long. I had. I, I'm really curious because, like, you know, it sounded like you know you learn you were learning about plot. How did you get that first? In, you know that industry job because like Fumi and I we're, we're trying to get into there Fumi works for Comedy Central he's going to be fired too and I'm sure and it's, <laughs> how do you like you know it seems like such a crazy thing to even think about and you know and and, and you were able to kind of like get into that world like w what was your steps for that yeah I mean so after college I did a lot of painting I painted portraits for people mm -hmm. and families and that's I mean that was how I made a living was I was doing that and I was also like authoring DVDs, you know, like, because that was like a thing that was new to do. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all the, the whole time I really wanted to get into film, I did not want to go to grad school because it was very expensive, you know? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I just made a schedule for myself. I made a no budget short film every six months and wrote a feature film every nine months. And, you know, I made a lot of not great movies, wrote a lot of not great scripts, but my, 
11th short, which was made for 600 bucks. And my mom is actually in it. It's Window Breaker, which you, mm. you, you guys brought up. Um, my mom is, you know, the mom in that movie. Um, the kids are like kids from like Quincy and Randolph in Massachusetts near where I grew up. And we shot it in my childhood home. So it was like, you know, I was just making this stuff. I was submitting it to festivals, always getting rejections. And then that short, you know, 11th short out of college. So, you know, three and a half years of making short after short after short, um, that one got into Sundance. And that was like the first time that I met anybody in the industry. Okay. Okay. Uh, I can definitely relate to failure. Okay. I got all of the whole story. <laughs> got that part. That was banger. It's, it's, um, it's kind of interesting because like, uh, I mean, I know that like now there's a lot more push to like, um, there's, for example, if you made that story today, like I have no doubt that you'd get more attention than you got back then just because they're like into stories like that. They're like, oh, Chinese mm -hmm. people, also people, you know, like they're also, <laughs> they also have interesting things happening to them. But like, I mean, I don't know how old exactly you are, but I, that thought came out in like 2006 or seven or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, that wasn't that long ago. I remember being in high school, but even then, like, you know, there was, there wasn't like a program for like hey let's get like diverse people together or like hey let's look out for these things you know like and uh, i'm just wondering like you know now that you work in industry if you see like any differences in like the kind of stuff that people are looking for or kind of like keeping their eye out for if, if that kind of makes sense yeah i mean i think you know I, I feel like i'm kind of like in the middle but at the same time you know there's so many younger asians getting into the entertainment industry it's really it's pretty interesting i mean i went to this thing it's like an Asian showrunners brunch. So people who are at the level where they're running their own shows. And, you know, I think 10 years ago, I mean, it wouldn't have been a brunch. It would have been two people, three people like sitting around a room, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and now like there's 30 showrunner level Asians in Hollywood, you know, out of oh, the 500, shit. 600 shows. And there's a ton of younger Asian writers coming up. Like, you know, I was, I wanted to make sure that there were some Asian writers in the Gremlins writers room. And there was just a lot of people to choose from. And I just, it, it's really cool. Cause I, I think when I was growing up, there were, you know, of, of the Asian Americans, you know, it was like Justin Lin, you know, I mean, Wayne Wang right. was making movies, but now there's just like, I mean, and then even when I was getting into it, like I, there weren't that many of us, but now there's all these like young uh, writers, young directors. Like, I mean, I think the people start to see it as a, a viable career path, you know, once they start seeing yeah. a few faces up there. Um, and it's just really, it's really awesome. Like I, I was coming out of this brunch and talking to, to people about what the industry is looking like now and how it's changing. It was really inspiring actually. Yeah. I, you know, when I was like, when I, when I saw that you're like the showrunner for the gremlins, I thought that was really cool because one of my, one of the things I'm struggling with is like, uh, I have, like I work at Comedy Central now and like we pitch stuff, we make videos and I've done that for, other companies and it's cool it's fine but i'm always pitching to uh white gatekeepers or like white directors uh not that there's anything wrong with them but they're just the people who say oh this doesn't make sense or this is too niche or whatever it is and uh i don't know i i feel that sometimes uh the things I bring or whatever, like they don't understand or like sometimes I catch myself filtering before I even bring it to the pitch. I'd be like, I'm, they're not even going to understand what the fuck I'm talking about. So I'm not even going to pitch this. And I think that it would really change the way I work creatively if my boss was a person of color. You know, I've never even had that experience ever. I've never been in a creative spot where my boss is like a black director or like, you know, and it's always just been like a, a straight white dude. 
So I'm I'm real used to that now. Um, but yeah, I just kind of want to talk to you about that no, to I see mean, like if you know, because you know, you run a writer's move, and for a lot of people, you might be their first Asian boss, you know, in that kind of scenario, and that's mm-hmm, kind of cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I talked to my buddy Andrew T, who is you know from Yo Is This Racist podcast, and he was like, Yo, let, let us on that podcast, Andrew. If you're listening. <laughs> Yo, hook it up, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he was in a writer's room recently where he was like, everyone in the writer's room basically told him like you're the first asian writer we've ever worked with you oh, know these are people who've worked you know 20 years 30 years so yeah i mean when i was staffing on network tv i was you know i staffed on network tv for six years for five of those years i was the only person of color you know in the writer's room and it was kind of frustrating i, I definitely let it get to me you know after the first yeah you know, two three years i was very frustrated by it and then after well, in what way just, yeah, just well, the so. fact, just does something happen, or just the fact that you know? I think it's just, just the, the fact of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't want to, and then you see it year after year. You know, people are, you know, leave the show or they're let go, and then the same problem happens. And then the last like Shit. two, three years, I was staffing on shows. I was there was only one woman in the writers' room, and that was also a super weird dynamic. Um, but at some point, I kind of just decided like. Listen, like I could be, I could be getting upset about it every time I go into work, or I could just try to gather up enough power that I can run my own show, mm. and I can staff it up how I want. Because what I, you know, what I was seeing is that, you know, the people in power—it's not like they're doing anything malicious, and you know, they're all very, you know, self-described liberals. It's just they don't think about, you know, diversity in the writers' room, whether that's, you know, race or sex, and. You know, when we when I started running Gremlins, because we've got a crew of like 125, 150 people over at Warner Brothers, like, you know, me and um, the producers were like, we're going to staff this up 50-50, male-female. It's going to be a very diverse writer's room. It's going to be a very diverse crew. And we want to also make sure that it's not like, yes, it's diverse, but only on the lower levels. Um, we want to make mm. sure the department heads are... Um, yes. diverse yes. and and then it becomes kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because they also hire you know their own diverse crews and so you know that's one of the things i'm most proud of in gremlins is like we have you know 50 50 you know across the board and that meant giving some people their first chances you know like they might have gone from being a, a storyboard artist to becoming a director for the first time but we were like mm-hmm. they're going to bring other things to it and why shouldn't this person have a chance you know why was it so important for you to bring all these diverse things? Because for Gremlins, this is a show. This is a kid's cartoon show about... Aliens. Gremlins. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? So you you could see somebody going like, why does it have to be diverse? You know, gr- you know these gremlins don't have color. You know? Like, they're all just... <laughs> gremlins of color. GLCs. They're, yeah. They're just like... They're just like, whatever, fantastical creatures. But I could see... I guess, like, what was what would be your response to somebody saying something like that? You know? You know, I think that it's, regardless of what the program is, you know, I do think that the crew should be diverse, you know, it brings different perspectives. And also like, you know, this take on Gremlins is that, so, you know, there's some things I can share about Gremlins, some things I can't, but basically sure. the, the, the story of, you know, Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai is it's, uh, you know, we basically want to make like a, you know, 10 episode Pixar movie. So it's like, a co-viewing show where like adults can watch it with their kids and teenagers can Mm. watch it. And it's about, you know, the old Chinese guy at the beginning of gremlins, um, this guy, Mr. Wang, he owns a shop and 
he's like the uh, guardian of Gizmo. This show is actually a, a prequel, and it takes place yep. in 1920s China, and it's about when that guy was 10 years old. So um, I want to make sure that the people who uh, made the show, you know, there's a there's a, a lot of Asian creators on the show, um, mm-hmm. and just to you know, just to get their perspective, you know, even down to like character design and and backgrounds and stuff like that. That's yeah, I mean, key. I think I, I think the the worst writing scenario is you got ten white guys writing about Shanghai together. You know, that sounds terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's they're all yeah, like, yeah. Uh, open on Gremlin, uh, he's eating sushi. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and be, it's and speaking Chinese <laughs> and speaking Chinese, but then also a Mongolian is there. Um, one thing I love is uh, I follow you on Twitter. I love all your tweets because you're just like, you know, you just the the way you like you're. I could always hear your kind of righteousness on a lot of things one thing i I love this was back in in the summer you had a tweet that said um non-asian writers write asian characters uh oh yeah okay so i'll read the whole thing so non-asian writers write asian characters without making their motivation quote-unquote honor challenge and i (laughs) I love that because i i want to say this is around when mulan came out Mm -hmm. and um was was that was that where where that came from because like you know you were you were talking about that and it was like the there was the honor thing and there was the chi thing that was a big thing in in the movie and i was like what the fuck is happening so i mean it was a little bit about mulan but it was really about you know and i can't name the script but somebody was yeah somebody wanted me to do a rewrite on a script and it was like I mean, it was by not by non-Asian writers, and it was the most stereotypical thing that I had ever read. And it was just, and it was so. funny because after I tweeted that, um, and I tweeted, I think one other thing that was like a little more specific. Yeah. Other Asian writers who had been offered the same rewrite reached out to me, and they were like, "What the fuck was up with that script? It was crazy." <laughs> um, and I was just so livid because it was like, you know, the the way it was framed was basically like, "We need a rewrite for this script. It's already in production." And I was like, you have to take the script and you have to throw it in the trash. That is the rewrite that I am (laughs) going to propose. Yeah, Burn the studio down. Somebody to come in, put their name on the script and basically be like, look, it's okay because there's an Asian writer on it, you know? (laughs) She's very honor oriented. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just just a thing where it's like, it's just like a default. It's like, it's not even, I mean, so many movies have it and it was just, it was just disappointing to see it's like, 2020 you know that's that's really interesting you mentioned that like he, he just wanted an asian guy's name on it because i feel that um from my personal experience there's a lot of uh white comedians in new york or like writers they've like even though know, a lot of them are very funny um they've realized that like the industry doesn't care about them anymore and a lot of them <laughs> will try to partner up with somebody of color or like a woman <laughs> to just be like hey this is like about uh, you know her, but like I wrote it too, kind of like trying to sneak in. You know, there's a lot of sneaky like partnership courtships happening. So it's it's interesting to hear that it's also happening at your level where they're just kind of interested in your face and the color of your skin to get their agenda. You know, kind of like sneak that into Hollywood or whatever. Well, I think that it was like some of these things have been gestating for a long time. So it's like, you know, even two years ago, you know, before, you know, there was more calls on diversity in in Hollywood. It's like. Some of the stuff was like greenlit back then, and now they're like, "Oh, we fucked up. Oh, shit. How oh, are fuck. we gonna like damage control this?" You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. What's the most Asian-sounding person we can find? Okay, yeah. there's nobody. <laughs> well, I do want to transition to that. I want to transition to kind of like talking about telling stories, and and there's there's an interesting quote our producer found about how you were thinking about changing 
your name, you thought, oh, maybe I should change my name to a pen name. It sounded more Americanized or at least give yourself an English first name. Did you ever have an English first name? No. I mean, when I was a kid, my, my mom and dad called me Babao, and but it just means okay. like precious little baby treasure that's, or whatever. That's an even more Asian name. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he went the other <laughs> way. Yeah. You, yeah. You, it makes it sound like they had a small panda at home. Okay. So, um, <laughs> but then you said you, you're in this quote, it says, but at some point I said, screw it. Right. And you know, you obviously go by Z. So do you, do you feel that was, I mean, obviously I think you, you feel it was the right move, but at the time where was there a lot of trepidation where you're like, maybe I should go by Daniel, you know? Yeah, I mean, certainly. And by the way, Daniel Chun is a super, super successful TV writer and producer. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Bao Bao. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's much great. more successful than I am. So, you know, shout out to him. <laughs> he made the right choice. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there was a time where I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm nobody in the film industry. I'm submitting these scripts, you know. What does it look like when it says Z Chun, spelled, you know, T-Z-E-C-H-U-N on the front cover? Because it's like, do they think that maybe I was not born here? You know, do they think that right. maybe English is not my first language? There's mm -hmm. all these things. And I tried, you know, I wrote, I remember I wrote out 50 different names, you know, and I was like, oh, shit. 10 names. And then I typed them in and I just looked and I was like, this is not right. This doesn't feel right to me. You know, right. it's like, I, why should I be changing my name? Because of some conception that they have about Chinese yeah. names. So yeah, right. I would just rather get, you know, successful enough that everyone just has to learn how to, you know, pronounce my name. No slight on you for mispronouncing my name early on. Totally got wrong. <laughs> it's crazy because that that small decision you made, it's like it gives other people with foreign names a little bit of leeway or hope because if I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, if they're going to read a script by a guy named TZE, they might read a script with a guy named Masafumi, you know, like they yeah. might, they might, they might open it. But if you, if you change your name to goddamn Daniel, they might not have an open my script, you know. So like, thank you for not changing your name is what I'm saying. <laughs> like I think there's like a domino Chun effect. Super super successful. <laughs> Daniel, you know, very successful human being. Hey, uh, thanks for coming over, Kelly. Oh wow, Fumi, oh, this is so nice that you have me over. Yeah, um, it's a Tuesday night, so I thought we could maybe get together and and do stuff so oh, yes this is uh let's, let's go into my room i have a really big apartment <laughs> this apartment is so big i wouldn't have mad imagined it to be so big at all yeah i'm pretty I'm a, I'm a pretty successful podcast you should check it out <laughs> i've heard yeah so nice oh we're still walking so far okay check it out Oh. Now this is where the magic happens. Ooh, never heard that joke before. So yeah. fresh. You're so funny. Now are you ready to get down and do the dirty on this bed? What do you think about this bed? <gasps> I've never seen a bed like this. It looks so nice and supportive. Yeah. Oh we can do all the positions on this bed. Oh my gosh. Including missionary? Including missionary. Fumi's favorite and only option. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> where did you get this mattress from? This mattress is called Healing. Helix Sleep Mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that just takes two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, like a plush or firm bed with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising on an average mattress. Helix Sleep was even awarded the number one bed overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com Asian, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you up to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights free, risk-free, unlike what we're about to do right now, Kelly. Wink, wink. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. 
Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Asian. That's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Asian for up to $125 off. Oh, you got a condom? <laughs> um, uh, shout, shouts to him. Uh, I have another <laughs> fun tweet here. I love your tweets. Um, you have this whole thing, and we wanted to, We also wanted to talk to you about this. You have this whole thing. It started, actually, it was this month. And uh, it's a string. You have this kind of whole string about it. It's like the most powerful thing a creative person can say is no, uh, which Fumi and I have a terrible time doing. We say yes to everything. So, you know, no to the studio, <laughs> no to middlemen, no to Hollywood, know your worth. You should know your worth. Um, you know, and you're talking about how different creators are getting these terrible, uh, you know, options for their IP. And, you know, that, that you, you're, tell- you're talking to creators and you're saying that creators, you, you're the one who have a lot, who have a lot of the power. Right. And, you know, I wanted to get into that a little bit. You know, what what made you sort of tweet that? And what made you, you know, because that's something I see you say quite a bit. Like, you're very pro creator, obviously. Yeah. What happened to you? Did something prompt this? Yeah. What happened, buddy? You know, I think <laughs> point to the place on your body where Hollywood hurt you. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bow Bow, tell us where they hurt you, Bow Bow. <laughs> here's a ponytail you can cry on. Here's a pony. Yeah. Here's a, yeah. Do some pottery. Yeah. You know, I just think that there comes a time, you know, early on in my career, I obviously had to say yes to everything, you know, because you say yes, you get the work experience. And then there's a certain point in your career where people are still treating you like you are starting out, you know? And Mm. I think that because studios perceive themselves as having all this leverage, you know, they, they, they typically will lowball you, you know? And what I found is that as a creator, it truly is the, the most, the most powerful thing you can say is no, you know, like I've had mm. people send offers and then I'll just say no. And they'll just say, they'll, they'll be so confused because they're so conditioned <laughs> that every right. creator is going to say yes to everything. Right. And, you know, to people who are, um, you know, writing their books or writing comic books or their screenplays, you know, I do think you reach a certain point where, you don't have to say yes to everything. And honestly, it's in your best interest when an offer first comes in to just say, this is not even in the ballpark of what this is worth. And you can tell me Whoa. anything you want, but <laughs> like, you can just say, this is not, you have to redo the offer. This is not like, yeah. it's not like I'm going to then negotiate with you about this. Like send the offer. It's not, you know, if it's not up to, up to what I need, then you just project it. And, word gets around that you're not going to take every single thing that comes your way. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing. Um, I feel... Okay, two things. One, I feel like... You know, I think all creators have a hard time saying no because it, it is like a very brutal industry and you, you just... I think you think to yourself, well, what if something else doesn't come around, you know? And I think that's the main reason why people don't say no. But there's another layer of reason why I have a hard time saying no. And I think it's because uh, I'm like Japanese and like, you know, we I, I never worked in Japan, but like I saw my dad... <laughs> come up the the fucking Japanese business organization and in general over there and you read it in the animes and shit apparently if you just like work really hard someone's gonna notice how hard you work and reward notice you me, exactly yeah. and reward you exactly what senpai. you're worth and that's yeah. kind of the mentality that we are raised with but that's like mm-hmm. it I don't know if it's true over there cuz I haven't worked there but like it does, that's not even close to how it works in America at least and I think it's very difficult for a lot of immigrant people to like strip that away and be like 
no, I'm allowed to be like, I'm worth three times what you're offering, you know, because you never, I, I've never talked like that to anybody in my life. When somebody says, hey, do you, uh, can I buy that for this much? Or, you know, hey, can you do this for me for this much? I've never been like, no, I'm worth four times that. Like, that's not a sentence I've ever said before. And I think that like, you know, recently Mike and I got like an offer for a podcast with like a, a, a pretty big network and we went through the whole thing and we wasted their time and at the end we said no. But it took us like two months to say no. You know, we kept at the check in with each other because we were so scared of saying no because I think we have a hard time sort of like valuing whatever whatever this may be. You know, is that, I don't know, Mike. No, but I, 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 about I mean, I think that that's supernatural. And, that, and that's also what, you know, I went through for many years of. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, t I certainly took deals I think were below what, I brought to the table, but at the same time, like, you know, I gained a lot of stuff from it. I gained a lot of work experience. I met a lot of people that I liked working with. And I, I just generally learned a lot about the industry and how to become a better writer and director. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm really talking about like when you get to a certain point, you know, and yeah, you're going to realize that you guys are bringing a lot of stuff to the table and you know, their, their, their default is to, you know, devalue creators and lowball. You know. So speaking of like creating stuff, so Fumi and I, we we were we we sold this little thing, and it's a little cartoon, and it's each episode is only five minutes long, and it takes me and Fumi, like we're stand up comics, okay? I think the longest stand up comic bit I have is maybe ninety seconds, and it took me about three years to write it because it's just this how stand up is. <laughs> and now for this thing, this five minute thing, it's like taking us like a month to do it and we're not working on it full time or anything like that but it's just like so tough to develop stories so i don't know whether it's uh doing comic books or whether you're doing cartoons or or, or you're running a, a big tv show like what's your process for like developing stories because there's so many times where i wouldn't call it writer's block but i'm sitting there with my characters on the page and i just don't know what they're going to do next do you know i don't know is there do you ever encounter like encounter that do you how is your how do you like sort of walk through this like big forest of like endless possibilities i mean it's a good question so i think the thing that people talk about with you know any type of screenwriting is like you know they talk about structure they talk about blah 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 characters blah blah, blah. like you know they there's a lot of people talking about like what to do when you're actually sitting down and writing a script. I think the thing that people don't, don't talk about enough is the real work when you, I think, develop as a screenwriter is that you start to put processes in place that allow you to become productive. Meaning mm -hmm. you start to understand how you need to approach a story and the building blocks of that story so that you know that every time you sit down to write, you can at least chip away at a piece of it. So for me, it's something like, you know, when I want to come up with a new idea, I'll just sit down and write 10 ideas a day, you know, like a couple sentences. And then I'll do that for 10 days and I'll have 100 ideas and most of them, sometimes all of them will be bad. But then, you know, once in a while, one will be good. And then I know, all right, then what I need to do in order to feel, you know, the footing around this is I need to write not the whole script, just write a page about what, why mm -hmm. I want to do this. Then I build that out to four pages, then 12 pages, then 40 pages. And then when I sit down to write a script, it's like two weeks, you know? But that was right. a process that I had to develop over a lot of years. And it was a lot of years where I was sitting down and being like, God, I don't, I, I'm staring at this empty monitor. I don't know what piece of it to tackle, you know? That's, 
that's mm-hmm. such a good point because um i think the the biggest thing i encountered while i like got my first comedy job is like i came from like just working in regular corporate america and then in corporate america most of the things you get every time you sit down at a computer you can get work done because it's so soul-sucking and it's like here's a powerpoint and you need 10 slides and this is oh yeah project. It, open up it's out so, love, close out love. it's so fucking stupid but like any monkey can do it you can sit down and you're like i i see the objective you know yeah. uh but with creative stuff like I remember like, okay, cool. Like, I have some time right now. Let me sit down. And I'm like, I'm sitting there for hours looking at videos, trying to find inspiration. And like, I did nothing for an hour. And that's just, yeah. that's a lot of it, you know? And like, to, I think a lot of times, like, that's the thing about being a creator is like, you're always working. You're just always in your head. And like, maybe you're taking a shit and you're like, oh, that'd be cool if that guy did this instead of this in the story. And you like, just write it down. And then maybe the next time you sit down, you can like, kind of do that. But yeah, that was like the weirdest I, it's so interesting to hear it from your perspective because I always thought like how do fucking professionals do this if you can't yeah. do 9 to 5 like it doesn't you can sit there from 9 to 5 but you may not write anything yeah, you might not have anything after you're that. like okay inspo inspo yeah, inspo right. and maybe you're writing 10 shitty ideas but then you're like okay shit like it's more of like you have to look at it from like a long term perspective rather than like did I do something today from 1 to 3 you know and like yeah. that was a hard thing for me to swallow because I'm used to just like sitting down being like okay let's pump out this deck for fucking Johnson and Johnson because they're interested in making band-aids that are smaller or whatever yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you personally had me at the word processes uh, I love that word so <laughs> you got me baby okay more than one process are you kidding me that's what I'm all about um, <laughs> I wanted to sort of end on this this is a funny thing so kind of go, going back to your first time uh, the first time you were staffed um, it was on a show and you said, it says here that our recording our producer, you said you got fired. It says you got fired because you had a bad attitude. And I, mm-hmm. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that energy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, um, you know, I, I was like, I, 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 what happened there? You know, it says here, you, you said that you had resting bitch face, which I, <laughs> yeah. I respect. I like resting bitch face. Okay. Because you know, I like Korean people. Uh, I know you're not Korean, but I'm just saying that Korean people have that a lot. And I, I find it to be comforting. I find it to be, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, uh, 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 an itchy sweater. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it might be a little uncomfortable, but I know that it's working because it's like it's telling me, it's giving me feedback. Resting bitch face is like, oh, okay. I know that it's uncomfortable and you're kind of giving me this thing, but you know, I know how to deal with it. So like what, what happened in that story? You know, I think that it was kind of in that year I was talking to you about where it was like, you know, I was coming up on, I think it was a second or third year of being the only person of color in the writer's room. Yeah, and I yeah. was finding it really hard to concentrate. And, you know, we would have, we would have, it was, the, the room was long. Like we would be there all day, like yeah. 10 to six. And, um, you know, and then we would eat lunch in the writer's room. Right. And like, you know, I just wanted like a little piece of time to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to like free, you know, to to clear my head, and it was the thing where I don't know if it's because I'm Asian or just the way I grew up. Like, I, I eat so I can eat so fast. Like, I can oh eat yeah, hell yeah, dude. Like, yeah, forty five <laughs> seconds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they would come in and bring the food, and by the time people had gone to get their silverware and their Lacroix or whatever it done. was, I was already <laughs> done and out of the writers' room and walking around. And I think that was like a big piece of it because I did that for like four months. And at some point they were like, Z doesn't seem to want to be here. Anymore. What? <laughs> they thought, they said bad, they said you eat too fast equals bad attitude. That's like well, lost in translation. They would just all hang out and I would just be not there. 
<laughs> See, I'm not was okay that, with that. I, I'm that? not okay with. I'm not okay with white people timing you eat and being like wrestling bitch face. What a fucking bitch! Like that's not okay with me. <laughs> I, I'm I mean, so relate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, that that that's it. That's that's. It's not a super complicated story. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story though because I just like there's there's so many times you know whether at a comedy show where I do my thing. And then everybody's just hanging out and I'm like, you guys just don't want to go home. Like I'm, t- you know, like, what are we doing? You know, we're just like, we're just wasting time. And I definitely feel the eating thing. You know, I, I usually use my time to eat my food fast and then I get another meal. So I know so this is the most Asian thing that ever happened. I was, I went to go, there's a, there's a place in LA K town Sa, which is great. And okay. it actually, to it, I went and sat down and I was eating. I was like, this is amazing. It tastes just like the noodles. I, Eight growing up and turns out the guy is from one town over you know from where i grew up so it's got to be something in you know in the water or whatever but um mm-hmm. so i went to k-town fa to get you know fa duck bet and it was closed so i was like oh fuck all right well yep. what am i going to do there's a korean beef noodle soup place you know down the street so i, I walked there and i ate I'm walking directly back. I'm so full. I'm like still sweating from how spicy it was. <laughs> and the guy from K-Town Fa has opened his shop. He's standing outside and he's like, oh, thank you for coming back. And I was so guilty. I didn't know how to, you know, it's in LA. So it's just in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing else. What that can I you do? There for. I get it. Yep. So I just walked directly into K-Town Fa and then just had another lunch. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have no... remember, he was so excited that I was there again. I was just like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna eat two separate <laughs> ethnicities yep. of beef noodle soup. Z, fifteen yeah. minutes across, away. From this is who I am now. Have you no <laughs> self-respect? My God, Z, what, what, what happened? That's the that's the other thing about yeah. fucking having more diverse writers' rooms. I I noticed recently on the shoot, like uh, you know, and uh, the less like the more white people you have, like the more the more likely that your lunch will just be a sandwich, you know. And I feel oh that my uh, God. <laughs> After I got fired for having a bad attitude, I made a vow that I'm never going to eat another kale salad again. Oh! And I have, ne- I have never eaten I, a kale salad. I love I'm it. I'm so mad. Whenever I get a kale, like I used to, when I would go to the office at my day job, I would and I, I would force myself to have a kale salad because, like, otherwise, I can't just. I, I'm going to become chicken katsu if I just keep eating the way I'm just going to become one. So I was like, I got to eat a kale salad, but I would always eat it, and I would be like man, I'm at the, you know, I'm working, I'm not having a good time. And the one like five minutes that I'm allowed to have a little bit of pleasure, I had a kale salad. And I was like, this is not the way. This is like, <laughs> why? This is not the way. This kale is not the salad, way. Kale salad is basically a hate crime at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time oh, I eat it, I, I, I do feel the colonization. I do feel that yeah. happening. Yeah, I, w- I, wanna, I wanna call the uh, New York City uh, hate crime hotline. <laughs> And just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just yeah, be yeah, like, yeah. excuse me, hello, yeah. I'd like to report Sweet Green. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> the whole business, not the just whole business. Just the, the, whole the business. business model itself. It's also twelve dollars. Come on now. Um, <laughs> Yo, Fumi, what's your what, what's your favorite Thanksgiving Day food? Mm, rice. Really? You eat rice? Yeah, we don't. Why we don't rice? do th- we don't do Thanksgiving, bro? We're Japanese, man. Jeez. But you, you and your Vietnamese family, you guys, you guys just. Take no, a break from fire. No, no, no. We we definitely eat uh, egg rolls because egg rolls is is, yeah. is God. Yeah. But we do we we'll throw we you know what we're we're trying to assimilate we're trying to throw a little bit yeah you trying to be American? in there okay oh really yeah hell yeah dude with some Hennessy Hennessy and Why stuffing 
you know i mean you know the 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 awesome thing about it too is once you eat all that stuff man yeah mm, it's gonna be brown friday brown friday baby don't get stuck with a post turkey day disaster protect your pipes with a hello, hello tushy bidet. bidet for years bidets have cost thousands of dollars and were available only to the richest of a-holes the hello tushy modern bidet attachment is here to democratize the blessing bestowed by bidets and offer clean buttholes to everyone Ooh, who doesn't like that uh hello tushy attaches to your existing toilet no electricity or additional plumbing needed and cleans your butt with a precise stream of water all for just 79 dollars and your hello tushy will cut toilet paper use by 80 percent, so it pays for itself simply by how much tp it saves you because with hello tushy you don't wipe at all hello tushy is your new hands-free butt buddy Every Hello Tushy Bidet attachment comes with a 60-day risk-free happy butt guarantee and a 12-month warranty. That's a long time. Stop wiping your butt and start washing and join the millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now. Hello Tushy is the perfect gift for the whole a days. Hey. Uh, Get 15% off Hello Tushy Bidets plus free shipping right now at hellotushy.com slash ANA. This is Hello Tushy's best offer, so make your whole a days a little happier and your Brown Friday a little cleaner by going to hellotushy.com slash ANA for 15% off bidets and free shipping. Hellotushy.com slash ANA. We're uh, going to do uh, our new segment. It's called Mismanagement Consulting, where we take yes. some questions from our fans. Uh, Fumi, tell them how you, they can get on to Mismanagement Consulting. Yes. So to get on Mismanagement Consulting, all you got to do is text us or leave us a voicemail, which we prefer much more, at 917-755-9596. That's 917-755-9596. Or if you're shy, you can email us at asian.asianpod.com. Or there's a link in this episode description where you can fill out a Google form if you want to stay anonymous now mike what is the uh we got hired again this week um, we did we did we got we, we, we signed that sow sow it's signed and Ooh. the master service agreement msa you know what's good corporate <laughs> agents what's good yeah. uh today's question we're not gonna say this person's name but this is what this person wrote uh okay hello hello long time patreon and ano here ano z by the way stands for asian not asian listener we're not talking about butt sex here long time mm-hmm. patron and ano here shout out to my via brother mike for speaking the truth to lackluster fa in new york city and fumi for what, his obnoxious what? and fumi for his obnoxious and iconic laugh jk love you fumi hey fuck off buddy i'm in <laughs> an interracial relationship and i need your help i'm a vietnamese american male dating a korean american girl Girl, jungle Asian versus mountain Asian. I've, that sounds like a porn, if you will. Uh, how can I bridge the differences between our two races? And what advice do you have for the holiday season for us when we meet each other's family? Now, this one, they hired us it's for a, a reason. One. Okay, It's not yeah. a tricky one because we have an expert here. Fucking you, oh, bro. You're oh, yeah. in this exact... Oh, that's what I... you fucking forgot. <laughs> no, I, you no, forgot? I have, I, uh, I, uh, I have to uh, confess, this is actually me. I'm calling in myself. <laughs> You're really herself. struggling. I'm really struggling, and I would love to have uh, some outside perspective. Um, uh, uh, first, also shout out to Ali Wong because for without her, we wouldn't. Who would? How would we ever describe relationships? These kind of you know, jungle Asian versus like fancy Asian. <laughs> mountain, mountain Asian. Asian. <laughs> what the fuck is it a does, mountain it does, Asian? It does sound like um, like we're Pokemon, you know? <laughs> like oh, that's a tricky one, man. I think, and I'd love to that. I used to have a joke about how I'm in an interracial relationship and I'm dating a Korean woman. Ha 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 ha. Never worked, but I do. I feel that it. It's true. I don't know if people understand how different Vietnamese people and Korean people are in so many ways. We we have the Venn diagram connects only with rice. That's like the only thing that we have. And even their rice is different from our rice. So maybe our Venn diagrams actually don't mix. It's tricky, man. 
I I, 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 I would I, actually I have, like to. I would like to say like maybe you know because you guys are both technically from the uh, or like your families are from the same continent, but you're like a little bit different. That might be causing like a different set of problems than someone like me and Z who are with like our partners who aren't Asian. So it's like you know Ooh. I don't have the expe- I don't have the expectation that she That's is gonna true. understand anything, right? But you just because she looks like you a little bit, you know, you might have an expect like why can't why can't you do this? Like you know what I mean? So I right. feel like maybe like. Asian on Asian on Asian dating mountain mountain Asian versus jungle Asian that might be a more heated battle you know what I'm saying <laughs> this might I be a contested that. battle I agree I now I think about it there's a lot of little things that you think that would be the same but is is different um and there there's some there's like let me think I don't know should we try to bring our guest in and and just and just hear yeah what's what are your thoughts what is your professional opinion about this my professional yeah. opinion I mean yeah I don't know. I mean, I've never. I mean, I guess I dated a. Who yeah, I mean, are you? I, one of those? No, I dated a Chinese girl in college, and I dated a half Japanese girl in high school, and it was, it was pretty different. It was also the the Chinese girl was, just culturally very different, even though she was Asian. Mm. She was Chinese American. Um, yeah. She had grown up kind of like rich in Fort Lee, New Jersey, in like a very Chinese enclave, and it was just yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think, it, I mean, shout out to anybody who has to even describe it to your white friends who just assume that you guys are yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I, I think that there's at least, I, I do think that there's like, when you're dating someone who's, you know, not Asian, there isn't the expectation that, yeah. you know, you, you kind of just say like, yes. okay, well, these are the things that are, are different. You can kind of get ahead of it a little bit. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, also, shouts to Fort Lee. That place is so Asian; it's not even in America anymore. <laughs> uh, so it's um, yeah. I okay. So just a couple of things. I always relate to everything through food. So you we cannot understate how much food matters to Asian people of all kinds. I mean, we just talked about Z here, guilt eating pho. So like you know, it, it's really important, <laughs> and it's it's really something you. I, I for me talking to another Vietnamese dude like you know food can mitigate a lot of it you know so for example like eating a lot of their if if their family cooks for you eat as much as you can because that like is equal to love you know what i'm saying like the more you eat it the more love you have for the the family it's it's, it's like a crazy thing um there's also just stuff about little uh you got to have like a coaching session with your korean american girl because there's going to be stuff about like who you know who gets poured sock not the sock the 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 soju first and there's like you know are you allowed to cross your legs you know that stuff like that vietnamese people we don't we 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 like sit on the ground and we're like we're smoking parliaments and and we're like putting ice in our our beer we like we just like we're very <laughs> loose about a lot of stuff and I, that's something I think will, um, it could cause a lot of barriers, just like those little small things. Like one thing too is like both, I think, um, Korean people sometimes eat on the floor, like, but they sit on that little table and there's a little table. So you got to figure out how to do that. Um, with when dealing, when talking to her, know that like things that we think Vietnamese people think as being completely normal. For example, all of the fam- Vietnamese families, a lot of times, if there's a lot of us, we all sleep in one room on the floor. 
that's completely <laughs> Vietnamese. It's just, it's not even a refugee thing. It's just our move. It's just like, you know what? Why do we need to have it's a bed? Move. The ground, the ground is the bed. It's your, it's your special move. It's just a dope thing we do. And, it, you know, and that's, that could be real jarring to someone who's not used to that. They're, they're just like, why you can't afford beds or something? It's just like, um, it's just something. So, you know, I think it's about opening those communications and talking to each other. And then like having her point out little pitfalls to her. I mean, to, to you and then, you know, vice versa for, for, for her. Although Vietnamese, I think we're like more like kind of easygoing about that sort of thing. I don't know. Fumi, what do you think? I think when it, when you, when you're like meet the parents, which is his second question, he's scope creeping his second question that, <laughs> that gets a little tricky because then it feels like you're putting on a show because I feel like a lot of times when you have a family dinner with like two cultures, it's like a talent show and you're like showing off your partner and you're like, look how well-trained this guy is. Yeah, and I, oh, you got to do that. You know what I mean? And like, I'm sure Gina does that with you, you know, because yeah. you told me one time, like you guys had a family dinner and she like sat you down. And you're like, these are three things you cannot do. Like, you know, she had to like coach you before she put you on the ring, you know? Oh, I'm well-trained, man. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I can, yeah, just uh, when you guys sit down for the holiday, holiday meal, like you, you got to, you got to tell your Korean girlfriend about how Vietnamese people eat during a party because like that's a thing like we we just spread all the food out on a counter and people just kind of go and hover and there's no like sit down and let's say grace and all that stuff the Vietnamese people don't really do that you know we versus Korean people Korean people have this whole thing where they have all the food out on one table and everybody sits around it and you know you've been to a fucking Korean restaurant it's it's more like that it's like little things like that which could be like a trip up, you know? Well, maybe, and, maybe, you know? maybe also like, I, I don't know why she's putting so much or this person's putting so much pressure on the partner. Like you could also coach your damn families. You, you could just be like, listen, no, I'm no, no, no. over. You can't, <laughs> I would do that, bro. If I was dating someone like you, bro, I'd be like, I'd call my parents be like, bro, I'm bringing over a jungle Asian. So, you know, you know how it is. No, no judgment. And no, then, uh, then like, I think all, then like all expectations are off. Is that not an you, option? You can't do that with Asian you, people? I w- you can never you could you can never get someone like me okay for me uh, but also <laughs> it's that's sort of the thing is that like you know you it's gonna be re- I think it's really tough for you to go to your parents and like you can start that conversation at first but like you're dealing with like uncles and aunts and cousins and all sorts of you know oh you know you know this is our tradition we got to do it this way versus like trying to get one person to do it that's what I would do that's just me that's mm. you know so good luck. Eat a, eat a bunch of eat a bunch of each other's food, you know? Try not to make out with each other in front of each other cuz I know that's a white people thing. Z, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having uh, me. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Comic book company, you can find us at tkopresents.com or TKO Presents across all social platforms. You can find me at the Z Chun um, on Instagram or Twitter, mainly on Twitter. Um T H E T Z E C H U N. Um yeah. I'm around. All right, bang, and, and you got bang. anything? You got anything cool coming up? Me? Yeah, yeah. You? We don't have anything cool coming up. <laughs> we don't why have anything cool coming. Why, why would I ask Mike that? I know his schedule is it's empty. This is it. This is actually um, the high of my week, and I want to kill myself now. <laughs> uh, Gremlins comes out um, either late next year, or early the year after. It's animation, so it takes a little while. Um, we've uh, always got books coming out at TKO Presents, um, but yeah, I'm you know I'm always updating ranting doing whatever on twitter so come find me there oh yeah you can also find us on social media at asian not asian pod i'm also on there at the fumi abe that's t-h-e-f-u-m-i-a-b-e and you can find me on instagram at nice pants bro 
please come to our bi-weekly stand-up comedy show on Zoom called Hack City. Just go to asian.asianpod.com for tickets. The next one is going to be uh, December 4th. Uh, uh, and it's new comedians every time. Uh, new comedians every time. Hey, hey, maybe new Zoom bombers every time, or maybe you're not. Well, maybe we'll bring. You never we'll bring know. Other guy back. You know, he, he, come, had, a, he had a bomb set. Let's just say that. Come, come for the comedy, stay for the um, naked white guys. That's uh, that's kind of our <laughs> motto. Um, if you're iTunes listeners, please leave a review. And if you want more bonus content, please go to Patreon.com/slash/AsianNotAsianPod, and you can get access to bonus episodes, behind the scene footage of our stand up, and uh, we have a whole new segment called Race News where we talk about a lot of current event stuff, and that is only for our Patreon people. And I think that concludes our podcast. Z, thank you so much again for taking the time. I know you're a super busy dude. This was such an enlightening conversation. And yep. uh, Anals, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys.